Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Victor Lewis Smith, who died yesterday. When famous people die, I I very rarely pass comment because it sort of feels a bit pompous to make some to to speak on behalf of the nation about just how much we all miss Prince. Uh, I, I don't miss Prince. I'm sorry. I know he's musically incredibly gifted. Just don't dig it. Uh, Victor Lewis Smith, I I dug and um, I worked with him for years on and off, more off than on, but. Um, I was a fan first uh, in my teens. I remember listening to him on Radio 4 on Loose Ends. And it was the most phenomenal audio, I've, and still is the most phenomenal audio I've, I've ever heard. Uh, I, I wrote him a fan letter pretty much in crayon um, because I loved the anarchy of it, the things he would get away with on a Saturday morning on Radio 4. And then he'd call it. He'd talk about people sitting in Waitrose Car Park, uh, not going and doing their shopping because they're waiting for his bit to end. He'd send in a tape. It was sort of between five and eight minutes long and from York every week. Ned Sheeran would have to read the cue that he'd written. And then he would deliver this extraordinary tape. It was so rich and so complex and so multi-layered. And I... I've never come anywhere near what he did, the energy and the dynamism dynamism of it. And I know because he told me that he he made all of it on a four-track cassette recorder. Uh, n- nothing more complex than that. Maybe it was a reel-to-reel, but uh, in any case, he made it in his flat. I assumed he was using state-of-the-art stuff, but he wasn't. Have a listen to some of this. It is so rich and still so brilliant, and no one has ever touched him for audio comedy. I'm licking as hard as I can, Mrs. Tribbley. I can't lick any more. It's hobby day in my luxury penthouse flat. Mrs. Tribbley is a keen philatelist, and I spend a happy hour licking her hinges while she lays idly thumbing her gibbons. The RSPCA are powerless. My tongue is almost off, Mrs. Tribbley. Meanwhile, my fictional whippet, once known to millions as Bunty on the children's programme How, 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 is indulging his penchant for putting tortoises into the microwave oven and watching them explode. Look, Mrs. Tripoli, come and have a look at this, it's hilarious. Look. I encourage him because it's educational. <laughs> Combining biology, very action good, painting, very, good, very colourful, and cookery. <laughs> My own favourite hobby is renting hire vans and damaging their gearboxes. Because they can't tell when you drive them back. 
and it's funny, and I hate humanity. <laughs> I also drive them dangerously in the car park. I played my old school. Our motto was, in terror, parks, hominibus. <laughs> Back in the flat, I switch on the radio and Louise Botting. Skint as a rat, cause your shares fell flat You were far too greedy and that is that And you've lost your Porsches and you have to drive old Crocs Well we got our money out, PDQ Cause we were in the know but we didn't tell you So stick that up your dirt box A few years later, when I was 19 and I was doing bits at the BBC, uh, I saw uh, Victor and his writing partner, Paul Sparks, walking sort of away from Broadcasting House into Boots. And I followed them in there like a weird teenage stalker. And Victor was walking ahead um, and Paul uh, was sort of in a sort of wifely distance behind him. And... uh, uh, so I stopped Paul and I said, excuse me, are you, are you, are you Paul Sparks? And he, he looked terrified and went, yes. And I said, are you the Paul Sparks? And he said, well, I'm a Paul Sparks. And I said, no, I, I, I'm a huge fan, I'm a huge fan, I'm a really huge fan. And Victor came back and they were both extremely nice about it. And uh, I bumped into him again a couple of years later inside the BBC. Uh, by now I was producing at Radio 2 and... Um, Victor was sort of, well, what are you doing at the moment? I told him what I was doing and he said, right. And then, I don't know, a, months later, my, my my work, my office phone rings because no one had mobiles yet. And it's Victor Lewis-Smith and he says, what sort of contract do you want? And I said, well, I'm, I'm staff. And he went, oh. And I said, but I'm allowed to take unpaid leave to work on other projects. And he said, oh, really? Well, would you be interested in doing some work for me? And I said, yes. And he said, all right, I'll be in touch. And a very short 18 months later, he was. And he told me that he had this commission. It was a series for Channel 4. It was going to be called TV Awful. Would I do some research uh, on it? And if I wanted, I could have a go at writing some bits. Uh, so I did. And I I did whatever he wanted me to do. Uh, I He came up with, well, I I say he came up with an idea. Um, It it turns out it was Martin Rosen, the cartoonist, had the idea for Tubby the Tumor. Um, And so he, he, I spent a week drawing a thousand frames of an animated cancer. Uh, I don't recommend that. Even in your 20s, it it doesn't feel fully right. Uh, So I did that. He made me go and film with my camcorder in Heathrow in illegal areas. Uh, we did a, we did, oh, was it for this? Yes, he, uh, we rented a baggage scanner. We couldn't film in one in the airport, but we went to Rapiscan headquarters with uh, a van. I took a van filled with bits of luggage, suitcase and stuff, stuffed with improbable objects. And we scanned all of them and recorded the scans so that people could, just as a sort of joke thing of like funny things uh, going through a baggage scanner. And um, they were very nice at Rapiscan. They let us just crack on. And, uh, you know, we finished up, said thanks very much, thanked them warmly, uh, got back into the van with all the luggage on it and drove off. And it was only when I got home that I realised I'd left one of the suitcases in the scanner and it contained um, a a frozen turkey and a 14-inch dildo. 
which I'd had to procure, by the way. Uh, and this is all pre-internet, really. Um, I had to go to a, a sex shop in Soho and I walked in, uh, chatted to a guy called Dungeon Dave. Don't know how he got the name. And said, oh, hi, hi there. Um, I, I'm, I'm working for a TV show. And he went, oh, yeah, yeah, TV show, is it? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, just, we need to buy some funny props. He was like, yeah, of course you do, darling. What do you want? The things we did. Um, and I had to go at uh, writing some song lyrics. I wrote quite a few of the It's Nice Being X uh, songs. They were recorded by Jam, by the original singers uh, over in Dallas. Uh, these are the people who sang all the jingles for Radio 2 at the time. I mean, truly the best in the world. Incredibly good singers. Um, and I did one uh, song, I was, how old was I? I was 25, I think, 24, 25, uh, called It's Nice Selling God. And the trouble was that, of course, all these singers down in the Bible Belt uh, were deeply religious and were very upset with most of the lyrics. And Victor said he listened in on the session and all of the singers were like, Jonathan, do I have to sing this? I am not comfortable. Uh, anyway, here it is. Sunday morning across the nation See all the grease balls on every station It's nice selling God Especially when you're almost dead It's nice selling God Forget the garden, sell God instead Fading stars whose careers are over End up co-hosting with Jehovah Blow your horn and shake your tambourine Cause there's a place for you when you die The program scheduled in the sky It's nice selling God so nice. Your career was lost but now it's found It's nice selling God so nice. With the ugliest bunch of flockers By the way, do you know what you get if you cross a hell's angel with a Jehovah's Witness? You get someone who knocks at your door on a Sunday morning, tells you to f*** off and headbutts you. <laughs> it was a, a really fraught project. Uh, the stakes were very high for Victor and he knew it. And it, it has kind of stood the test of time. It's, it's still knocking around. Uh, and there was a sort of law uh, in terms of working with him that the closer you got to him, the more high up the sort of ladder of, of responsibility that you got and I I researched and wrote on series one and I produced and directed series two uh, the higher up you got the more stuff would come raining down on you um, I can see it now but I really I only really saw it after he died yesterday that it, he, he was deeply insecure and all of that would manifest in in a lot of anger sometimes, uh, you know, sort of nervous anger. And we had some really hard times. Um, but I remember uh, going and staying in his house. He, he he moved to Cumbria. He lived in this uh, farmhouse out there in the wilds of nowhere. And I, I think he sort of enjoyed the distance uh, where, you know, he could sort of fire his his missiles, his long-range rockets at all of his targets, writing his 
column for the Evening Standard or doing his show, uh, and he was sort of untouchable there. There was something very satisfying about I went there the first time I went there. He had a pet sheep, and I was so jealous. I was about 26 by now, and I was like, oh, having a pet sheep. I mean, what, what more could you want? And he sort of puffed up a bit and was like, yeah, it's pretty fantastic, isn't it? Um, at which point the sheep just got behind him and just rammed him up the arse, <laughs> launching him several inches into the air. <laughs> uh, and it was kind of giddily funny watching the scourge of the crowd show the 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 great tyrant of the modern media scene um being butted up the arse uh by his pet sheep who didn't seem to be overly fond of him and you weren't allowed to stay in the house that that was that was that was not okay you could either stay in the bed and breakfast down the road um soup or fruit juice um, I'll give her fruit juice, please. He wants fruit juice. All right, is apple all right? Is apple all right? Yeah, apple's fine. Apple's fine. All right. I couldn't really take that. And I knew Victor had told me that he had a cottage on the hill. And I said, OK, well, I'll, I'll stay there. And he's like, it's, it's very basic. I was like, well, how basic is this? Very basic. I said, oh, that's all right. That's OK. I'm in my 20s and I don't think about that kind of thing. He said, all right, then. So... Uh, we drove in tandem up this tiny country lane up onto the moors up in Cumbria. I mean, it was in the absolute wilderness. You could not see any sign of humanity anywhere except for this little stone cottage. And he wasn't kidding. There was there was nothing. I mean, nothing. It looked like, you know, the house in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre with the sort of chicken feathers all over the floor. There weren't chicken feathers, but it was bare boards. The only furniture was one single futon. That was it. And one bare bulb, light bulb. And he was like, are you sure you'll be all right here? And I was like, yeah, it'll, yeah. I said, it's a bit sort of spooky, isn't it, being up here all on your own, isn't it? Uh, and he was like, yeah, I suppose it is. And anyway, I said goodbye uh, and sort of started to unpack my stuff. And then suddenly there was this <laughs> at the window. And it was him, wild-eyed and crazy. And he made me leap out of my skin. And then off he merrily drove. And I spent the whole night lying there thinking, I'm going to die here. I didn't. Uh, no, no one cared. Um, but, I mean, we had, we had really good times together. He was so funny. And his trademark thing was just hanging up the phone, sort of in mid-conversation. He wouldn't say goodbye, no preamble. He'd, he'd literally just hang up. Um, and it, it never failed to make me laugh. Um, but things were getting increasingly strained. We did a series called Z for Fake, which I'm kind of proud of, but for all the wrong reasons. It's a terrible program. But as an achievement, it was up there, I think. We did, we, we did some, I, I created some extraordinary things. I did stop motion animation on a film camera. I had to fiddle with my uncle's Bolex in the dark, uh, trying to load the film uh, in a velvet bag so it didn't get exposed. Didn't know if I'd loaded it right, let alone doing the stop motion animation. Stayed up till two in the morning doing this thing. And it worked. And there were so many moments like that, that we just pulled off this extraordinary stuff on an absolutely micro budget. I think the final breakdown came. I was working on Greek Street. He rented an office there. And I'd said, I need to rent a DigiBeta video deck for the last week before we went into the online edit. And he said, why? And I said, because I'm tired. 
I've been working seven day weeks till one, two, three, sometimes five in the morning. And I was just exhausted. And I sort of said, look, I'm really tired and I know I'm going to make errors. I'm not going to have digitized all the footage I need. And I just need it as contingency. He said, but we paid for extra storage on your, your computer. I don't understand. And I said, I, I know. I'm telling you. I can't. And, and that was the only time I hung up on him. Uh, because he just, he kept saying, I don't understand. And I was exhausted and very stressed. And I burst into tears, put the phone down. And he was actually very sympathetic. Um, I don't think he realized just how seriously I'd taken the, the pressure of it. Um, but he couldn't help having his own reaction to the pressure. Uh, and what they were trying to do on very miserly budgets was well nigh impossible. Uh, he kind of, he moved on. He he made, the thing with him was that he, and, and I, I then understood why I'd got hired was because I'd written him a fan letter in crayon and anyone who said anything nice to him would instantly get hired. Uh, on Z for Fake, I was suddenly told I had two writers. I was like, why have we got writers? You're a brilliant writer. I'm okay. Why aren't we? And he said, well, no, they're really great. Uh, I met them in the Groucho. And uh, they're, they're fantastic. And um, they they had their skills, but they weren't, they did not write the scripts that we needed. And so I had to stay up till two in the morning the day before shoots, uh, just rewriting all of these scripts. Uh, another exhausting project. Um and I remember sitting in the Groucho with him and occasionally people would come up and sort of say, oh, I really like your stuff. And you could see him light up. I think he sort of enjoyed his notoriety, but deep down I think he was a bit of a lost soul and he he liked it when people were nice to him. And we sat in the Groucho one night. He'd been doing some, having some sort of preliminary meetings with Al Fayed, the owner of Harrods, to make a documentary about Diana and Dodie. And Al Hayad had taken quite a shine to Victor. And it's the only time I've ever smoked a cigar. We sat in the Groucho and passed this cigar around. And Victor explained to me that um, Al Hayad had taken him up to the private apartments in Harrods. And Al Hayad had said, here, I, I want you to have this. This is... Uh, this is this box is uh, Dodi, my son, his his last box of cigars, and you've been such a good friend to me. I, I want you to have them. And so we were like, "Wow, we're sucking on Dodi's last cigar here." Victor, perhaps accurately, uh, concluded that maybe Alfie had had like a stockroom filled with boxes of purported final cigars of Dodi's, and it was just a very good marketing strategy. Quite possibly, quite possibly. Victor had such good ideas and it was impossible. It, 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 working with him was sometimes maddening and uh, distressing, but he had such amazing ideas that it was you'd get pulled back over and over again. I made a, I made a documentary about the harmonica for BBC Four, um, which was mad in its own right. It ended up with us pushing vans out of snowfield ditches in the Black Forest at 10 o'clock at night. But... He had an idea for a show called At the End of the Day, which was a kind of uh, devised comedy. Um, and it was such a good format. Uh, and don't forget, 
he invented shredding. Uh, it's a huge thing on the internet where you take a, a, a music video and you replace the music. I mean, he did that first on TV Awful. Um, but in the end, we had a huge final fallout. Uh, work was due to start on a project and it kept not starting. And this had happened to me before to the point where I, I turned down other work, but I was waiting for the project to start. And in the end, I got a credit blacklisting because I defaulted on payments because I had no income. And I thought, I can't, I can't do this again. And it, it all ended up, it was very ugly. At the time, I was with PBJ management and it ended with him threatening to send bailiffs to PBJ to recover the costs of the Avid suite that was on my landing. Um, and finally, we, we sent it back. And, and I never spoke to him again. And I wish I had. I really do. I, I always thought I would. I always felt a moment would come when we would sort of quietly raise a glass to each other and say, well, you know, water under the bridge. He had an idea. He wanted me to do a show. Uh, I don't know if you remember, this is a long time ago, but there were those sort of shows like Survivor or Castaway or whatever it was where, you know, can these 10 people survive on a desert island for 30 days or whatever it was? And he wanted me to be a castaway. But the idea was with no money or means of communication or anything, could I survive for 30 days in television center? <laughs> and, I, and, and I figured it out. I knew how to do it because I'd been working there and I, I knew where I'd, I'd make my camp. There's a secret like half height door halfway up a back staircase, uh, which had this little room. And I thought I could, I could pinch bits of cushion and stuff from the Blue Peter set, which is not guarded. Uh, it would have been a great show. He was filled with those ideas. And he was a good person. I, he drove me up to Cumbria once. Uh, it was like a five-hour, six-hour drive on Friday night in his jag. And he told me, lots of things he was very open in many respects about a lot of things and I remember him telling me that he knew for a fact that there were people who would dance on his grave when he died which I thought was an awful thing and he sort of reveled in a bit I did like him I was very fond of him and it was probably about this time of year and we were up in Cumbria uh, going down a little country lane and he hit some black ice and lost control and the Jaguar was bouncing off the verges of this country lane. Um, but I was very touched. I told him this at the time that one of his first instincts was to put his hand on me to sort of hold me back in my seat, even though I had a seatbelt on. And I think it's in moments like that that you get the measure of a person. And I think I think he was a good man. And I'll miss him. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough, Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.